right, folks. Welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am excited to discuss uh, kind of a little gap here between what's going on between the All-Star break and everybody kind of ramping up. I think everybody's really excited about where things are supposed to go from here. This music, I think, is too loud, but... It is what it is. Let's turn this down just a little bit and have a good time. All right. Yeah, no, we are we are rocking here. Thanks for everybody for hopping in. Really appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. Uh, uh, Dane says, so optimistic. Abel says, this team has a real shot. John says, good evening. Good evening, John. I really appreciate it. Uh, and Rich, who I know was in here earlier. Uh, just stay healthy, by God. Manage things at a fair pace. I think that's completely, completely fair. Let me just retweet this out and make sure that everybody knows that we are live. I hope everybody's doing well. I hope we can have a good time tonight. Uh, this isn't going to be a major pod, but like I know we're just we're just here to have a good time, and we are going to be excited about everything that's to come for this Denver Nuggets run. Uh, this is going to be a really fun but also really emotionally stressful second half of the season for people, I think. I think that at this stage, the Nuggets are, I think they're in the driver's seat, uh, to quote Paul George from Game 7 a couple of years ago in the Western Conference semifinals in the bubble. Uh, I think the Nuggets are in the driver's seat to make good on the run that they've had so far this year. I think that they're in a good place to put themselves into a position in the playoffs where they are ready for just about everything. They know who the teams are going to be that they face. They know at some point that the Golden State Warriors are going to make a run or the LA Clippers are going to make a run or Phoenix is going to be at the end of the tunnel for them at the Western Conference. Or I don't know, uh, it's going to be Dallas or, or whoever it is. Denver knows that they're going to be the one or the two seed basically. As long as they don't royally screw things up, they're going to be the one of the two. And I am excited for what's to come for that. I think it's going to be, as Peter says here, ready for the stretch run. Should be a couple fun months. It's going to be great. And Nuggets fans have to know what's in store, though. They know that uh, – actually, honestly, Nuggets fans have never known punching down. They've never known – what it's like to be at the top and the Nuggets organization in general has never really known what it's like to be in the driver's seat like this, like they are. So I'm officially excited about it right now. And I think that there's going to be a lot of people that know exactly what it's going to take to go at the Denver Nuggets. They know they're going to have to push Nikola Jokic in defensive situations and Michael Porter Jr. in defensive situations. And they're going to pressure Jamal Murray full court for 48 minutes. They are going to dare Aaron Gordon to shoot threes. They're going to do all these things. And the Nuggets, they need to know that. And they're going to game plan for that over the course of these final 23 while trying to win enough games to survive, while trying trying to win enough games to make sure that they are in the best position possible. I don't think that they're going to have to do a whole heck of a lot, but we'll talk about that in the third segment For now, I want to go over uh, Tuesday practice notes. 
I wanted to listen back before this show, and I, I listened back to Michael Malone's presser, uh, recorded it, and I wanted to confirm what I thought I had heard. These were the things, and if you're on YouTube, uh, say hi, make sure to give this a like, subscribe to the MHS YouTube channel, obviously doing a lot of great things. I saw the Let's Go Broncos podcast was live before me. There's a lot of great content on this channel, and there's a lot of great shows on this channel, uh, both YouTube videos and kind of live shows. So make sure to go check it all out, but give it a like if you can. Uh, I was uh, just trying to make sure what I heard from Michael Malone was correct. And his stated goals for the final 23 games, consistency, defending on the road, and claiming the one seed. We'll start with the consistency factor. Denver has been one of the most consistent teams in the NBA to date. Winning the way that they have at home has been awesome. Denver doesn't blow teams out that often. They don't lose that often. They're kind of in that middle zone right now where sometimes if they underperform just a little bit, it's going to look like, hey, you're, you're losing a little bit. You need to really push forward. There was the game against Orlando uh, a couple weeks ago, just right before the break, basically, where Denver didn't have their best stuff. They didn't try as hard as they probably should have. Jokic was clearly not as focused. Uh, There's a lot of guys that clearly weren't as focused as they probably shouldn't be. And then Denver got bit and they, they lost that game. For a while in the Charlotte game, it looked like the same thing through like the first quarter, quarter, quarter and a half. And then they turned it on and they found that consistency a little bit more. They locked in defensively just a little bit more and and completely flambéed the Hornets, uh, which was – that was a good win. It was a great road win. Uh, Winning by double digits on the road, no matter against who really, is is a really, really good thing. But Denver being 27-4 and at home so far has been great. What they haven't done, and to Michael Malone's point, defending on the road, I think that's a big deal. I think that – it doesn't necessarily seem like Denver has done that enough. Some of the circumstances for their road stuff, it's a little bit wonky where given the 13 of the first 19 games were on the road, given that a lot of the second night of back-to-backs have been on the road so far this year, it feels like they've had an inordinate number of second night of back-to-backs where they're at home and then they travel for kind of a one-off in one city or another. There was one where it was in Minnesota. I know there was one, uh, actually I can't really remember which other ones there were, but I know there have been. And Denver having to do those one-offs, they have a pretty poor record in those cases. Uh, a lot of it is you have to rest Jamal Murray at times. You have to rest Michael Porter at times. Not Michael Porter. Uh, they've chosen to rest Nikola Jokic and, and make sure that his hamstring isn't bugging up. Haven't heard anything about Nikola Jokic's hamstring lately, so that's why you rest. That's why you don't, that's why you just let those things recover a little bit like the way that they have. So in general, though, I do think that Denver at this point, if if they are recovering well enough on the road, and if they are giving enough effort on the road defensively, they have a lot of games or during this upcoming schedule where they're going to be able to do that. They're going to be able to put up great defensive numbers if that's what they want to do. Got games against Houston, against San Antonio, against Detroit, against Washington. Washington's actually a good offense, but like, you get my point. Denver has enough games where they're going to go up against some bad teams here, where they will be able to bone up on those really easy road game numbers where you should defend if that's what you want to do. Now, maybe that's not what they want to do, and that could be at least a little bit different and going to have to figure that out kind of as it goes. But 
if I'm the Nuggets, those are those are the things that I'm really thinking about. And Michael Malone, as he says, his third third thing, claiming the one seed. I've mentioned this before. Denver's magic magic number is twenty, which means that in the final week of the season or so, they have the potential to basically wrap that up. I don't know what. Um, I don't know what Memphis is going to do. I don't know if they're going to try to really go for the one. I don't know if they have the capability to go for the one. I don't think that Phoenix, who's behind Denver by another couple of games, I think Sacramento's behind them by another, or like they're around that point too. It would take those teams like having a miracle run in order to really push Denver in these final couple, in these final few weeks. Denver, basically, they have to win about 12 to 15 games in order to guarantee that they will be the one seed. If they get to 12 by the time the Memphis Grizzlies have eight losses over the course of their final 25 games, then Denver will be guaranteed it. It will be really, really easy. And I don't think that Nuggets fans are going to have to think about that one too much. But Michael Malone has talked about being the one seed in the entire NBA. And if that's the case, I think that he is more focused on that than the players are. I think the players, especially like Jamal Murray, he we talked about it with him on Tuesday night, and he said, "Nah, I'm, I'm good." Uh, not 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 to that degree. He's like, "Okay, it would be nice," but the what he was really focusing on was the one seed in the Western Conference, as opposed to the one seed in the entire NBA. I think they're just more worried about taking care of the teams that they play in the West, as opposed to just in the overall playoffs in general. So. Denver could finish with the best record in the NBA. I'm not really holding my breath. It seems to me like the Nuggets have different goals where they're going to try to defend on the road a little bit more. They're going to try to be more consistent. They're going to get that one seed. But once they do get the one seed in the West specifically, I think you're going to see some resting uh, just based off of what we hear. And finally, uh, not necessarily Tuesday's practice worth, but like Tuesday at, at practice, it was very much a relaxed atmosphere. There's been a lot of these kinds of practices where you would think, hey, that they're at various points, if they've lost a couple games in a row, that it would be less uh, less fun and more businesslike. Basically, every practice that the Nuggets have had this season that we've watched, that we've walked into, it's been pretty enjoyable, been pretty fun. They've been playing not games, but like they've been they've been relaxed in general, having some shooting competitions doing the things that they need to do in order to just be successful. And so I'm not really surprised that Denver has been as good as they are because it just generally seems that they are as locked in as they possibly need to be. And so I think that they're going to get the one seed. I think that they're going to defend better on the road. I think that they're going to be more consistent. Um, But in terms of this next thing, injury report, before we hit a break here, Aaron Gordon and Zeke Naji are still out for this upcoming game on Thursday. Aaron Gordon dealing with a rib contusion. He went through an entire shooting workout, basically, I don't know, 400 shots before speaking to the media. Basically, it was kind of funny. Uh, He he took all of those shots basically after everybody else was done. And so we watched his entire shooting workout, basically. Some fadeaways in there, some spot-up threes, some post-up shots, some mid-range jumpers. But for the majority of it, it did look a little bit ginger. It did look like he wasn't doing any major contact or anything like that, and I'm not really surprised that he's out. I think that Denver's going to be as cautious with him as possible. They're going to try to give him 
in all likelihood, another week. Like, I got to imagine that he's not going to do a lot of contact over the course of this next week. And if that's the case, then he'll be out for the Cleveland game, the Memphis game, and the Clippers game. And we'll see about the Houston game, which is on February 28th. And we'll, we'll, talk, to, we'll talk about that in just a little bit. But uh, in general, Zeke, I'm a little bit more concerned about than Aaron, just because it feels like a pain tolerance thing, feels like he could play Aaron if he wanted to. I'm not sure about Zeke. I'm going to need to get better information on Zeke in general and just see what's going on. Right now, it doesn't look like he's in the projected rotation. It looks like you're going to have Reggie Jackson, Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, Vlaco Chanchar, and Thomas Bryant as the main guys off the bench. But that could obviously change. And if you see an injury to somebody or, or maybe somebody rolls an ankle or hell, you want to give Aaron Gordon some time off, then you're going to need a guy like Zeke. So hopefully he comes back around. Jamal is questionable, but I think that's more to protect him just in case the like the knee kind of flames up a little bit more. I think he's going to play. I, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't based off of how he spoke in general. So we are going to see. We're going to see what actually happens. But um, Rui asks, uh, do you know what they practice other than kind of weights and shooting? I, I heard them calling out some plays while waiting. I heard them uh, like it, it really was more of a getting everybody back into the building kind of practice and making sure that everybody's conditioning was in a good place. Not necessarily going super hard, but they wanted to make sure that everybody was in a good place physically. And then they they ran up and down a little bit. And the general vibe of practice, as Michael Malone said, was really good. I think everybody knows what is to come. I think everybody knows what's the goal and how they're supposed to approach things. This isn't a this isn't a situation, I think, where the Nuggets don't really know what's going on. This is a situation where they are like they're just in a good spot where they've got a lot of veterans on the team that know exactly how this process works. Uh, they've spoken about this before that teams really ramp up during the All Star break. Oh, um, uh oh, is my internet down? Everybody in? All right. Yeah, I think my my internet just just went weird. So I'll cut that onto the actual audio um, on the audio side. I think that the let's let's get back to it. I think that the Nuggets are in a good place where they are. Uh, they have so many veterans on the team now that know exactly how this goes, that know exactly when to really ramp up, and they're at that part of the season where they're ramping up and they are going to start perfecting some things. They're going to start working on some different scenarios. So. I don't think that Aaron Gordon being out, I don't think that Zeke Naji being out, uh, maybe Zeke a little bit more. I'm, I'm a little bit curious about that. But Aaron Gordon specifically, I would be a little bit less, um, I'd be a little bit less concerned. Like it's it's a pain tolerance thing and, and I think that he's going to be fine. I think that he is definitely going to be perfectly fine. But either way, uh, apologies for the interruption there, folks. Uh, let's take an actual break now. And when we come back, we are going to uh, go over Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter, and Jamal Murray. I, I have some I have some thoughts on those guys and the, the supporting cast of Nikola Jokic. But first, uh, as, I, as I do the advertisement for everybody after I've started cutting out, this podcast, as everybody knows, it's brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. 
Make 2023 the year you beat Vegas. Superbook gives you the best chance every week to go head-to-head with the best odds makers in Las Vegas. No fancy computer algorithms, no guys across the pond setting lines for American sports. Just the best team of odds makers in the business behind the computer at the Superbook in Las Vegas. Plus, Superbook features some of the best odds boosts and promo bets anywhere. So download the Superbook Sports app or visit Superbook.com and start your battle against Vegas right now. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. And we're back. Sorry about the delay and the, the, the internet stuff, folks. Pickaxe and roll. Ryan Blackman here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I wanted for for this next segment, I, I, I wanted to credit Jamal Murray, Aaron Gordon, and Michael Porter specifically. I think that KCP gets a lot of credit for his, his ability to fill the role, for his ability to do what he needs to do. I think that Bruce Brown gets a lot of credit for filling in, doing what he needs to do in order for the Nuggets to be great. Um, I think that Jamal Murray, Aaron Gordon, and Michael Porter specifically have been excellent this year at doing and accomplishing the tasks that they have been asked to do and doing them at a reasonably high level too. Uh, I wanted to look a little bit more at the the per game numbers, the advanced metrics for each of these guys, and just sort of evaluate where they are in kind of the pecking order for what, what a supporting cast for a superstar looks like. Because for some teams, you've got two superstars. For some teams, you've got maybe a star and a co-star, which I think Jamal Murray is, is relatively close to here. And I think for a lot of teams, you'll have, maybe you'll have two really good players like a De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis, but you don't necessarily have uh, Nikola Jokic in, in, in that, that particular vein or anybody like him. So everybody's kind of dealing with something here. But in general, I think that... I think, sorry, I, I just laughed at Hurricane's comment here. Um, let's go over Jamal first. Per game numbers for Jamal, he's played 45 out of 59 games. That is just about 75% of the year. Uh, had the right knee inflammation with the kind of the compensation stuff. He had a couple of games that he missed due to COVID and, and like just being in health and safety protocols. He had some games that he missed as a... Uh, second night of a back-to-back or just general rest where he he kind of needed those. But in general, I think 45 out of 59 games for Jamal is really good. I think that he is right in line with what I expected for about 60 to 65 games this year. I thought that that would be about where he was. And for the production that he has, I kind of expected for what for what he was going to do, for what he was going to look like, to be pretty close to these numbers. I said... Not quite to the point that he was in 2021, but I didn't think that he would. I didn't think that he would be the player that he was back in 2018 or 2019, where he's still learning how to do things. There were still things that he had to figure out, but I think that over the course of this year, you look at the numbers now: 20 points, four rebounds, about six assists. That's pretty good. One steal, 46 percent from the field, 39 from three, 83 from the line. That's great. Those are good, good numbers. And they're not quite to the level of all-star. They're not quite the 
the volume that I think a lot of people would expect from those top tier players. And I think for a second star, he either has to be like having increased volume to get to the all-star conversation, or he has to be increased efficiency in terms of the actual shots that he attempts, making sure that the the maximization of the three-point shot is, is at the level that it has to be. He still has a lot of figuring out in terms of the uh, the volume of the threes versus the volume of the twos. I think it's improved as the season has gone along, but just sort of the general numbers, the true shooting percentage for him, I think, is at 57.5, if I'm not mistaken. I, I, I need to go look at it again. But 57.5 is not quite where you would need to be in order to be considered like an elite shooter. And so it's improved over the course of this season. He's definitely better than where he was, and that's not really a surprise. I think that I didn't really expect the three-point percentage to be as good as it was. I thought that he would struggle as a finisher. I thought he would struggle as a three-point shooter. He was struggling a little bit earlier, but in general, nearly 40% from three is great. That I, I think Nuggets fans have to be pretty happy with where he's at, uh, just from a production standpoint and just from a even an efficiency standpoint too. Now, the, adva- the advanced metrics, I'm going to throw these up here. 60th in Raptor War, 61st in Box Plus Minus, 59th in Estimated Plus Minus. These are three different metrics that don't that aren't really tied to anything in particular. The Raptor is a cumulative stat where it's the value added throughout the entire year. The Box Plus Minus is kind of an average uh, based off of a per minute basis, as is the Estimated Plus Minus. So for those numbers, I think it's important for Nuggets fans to look at it both ways and say, okay, he's been great. He's been exactly what Nuggets fans were hoping he would be when he comes back, but there's still a level for him to get to, or he was even better than those numbers back in 2021. I didn't pull them up and I probably should have in preparation for this, but where he is at right now, I think is a good representation of kind of the the next stepping stone for him. Through the first 59 games of the year, he's been about the 60th best player in the NBA. Not quite in the top 50. Uh, I think that his role in particular pays a lot into that, where he is not an elite role player like an Aaron Gordon. He's not filling that niche role where he's surrounding Nikola Jokic and doing everything, Uh, basically kind of complementing what Jokic doesn't do. Jamal's had a lot of minutes this year where he's trying to lift up the bench or he's trying to figure out how to best lift up the bench. And those minutes in general haven't been as good. I think that he is one of those guys where he's not quite like a James Harden. He's not quite like a, I don't know, Donovan Mitchell. Not not even like Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker. What I'm really thinking of is like, hey, a positive playmaker where those guys can really shoulder the entire offensive load for a unit. I think that he's still learning how to do that uh, and has gotten way better at it this year, and especially as the year has gone along. So I think that's one of the reasons why the metrics are a little bit down. It's because the plus minus with him, some of the stuff where he's on the, the bad bench units and isn't necessarily lifting those up as he probably should, I think that that is probably where he can improve the most going forward. And it's where the Nuggets are going to need him to improve the most. They did get Reggie Jackson. They have Bruce Brown. They have Christian Brown. They'll have a lot of guys where you can play, um, where you can play a little bit 
of an, an all bench kind of look. And I thank you guys for, for the compliments. I really, I see those and I really do appreciate it. I appreciate all of the, uh, all of the love that's, that's happened for today based off of earlier things that happened. Um, but yeah, I think that in general, Murray is going to be one of those guys that if he continues to go on the trajectory that he is on, then the minutes with the bench are going to be even better. And they are going to be uh, certainly better than where they started the year, certainly better even like during the middle of the year. There are going to be moments where the bench is actually giving Denver a boost and Murray will be a part of that. Hopefully he can be, like as I mentioned, the, the advanced metrics say he's been about the 60th best player. I think that that's fair. I think he was worse than that at the beginning and better than that right before he went out. So we will see what it looks like going forward. But if I had to guess, I'd say he plays at about a top 30, top 40 level for the rest of the year. Um, let's now go forward. Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon gets a lot of credit from Nuggets fans and from a lot of folks for his ability to fill in the gaps around what Jokic does and really riff off of what he does in such a positive way. Uh, the net rating numbers with Jokic and Gordon on the floor are insane. Uh, the numbers when Gordon even just plays and even when he staggers with the bench unit, there are some times where he doesn't do great, but there are also times where he does and times where he really helps out on that side. Uh, those have been really good. In general, 30.3 minutes per game for Aaron Gordon. I think that that is going to be a very interesting thing to monitor over the course of the rest of the regular season and going into the playoffs. 30 minutes a night. He's played 49 out of 59 games. Now he's got this rib contusion. Don't know what it's going to look like. But I think Denver, in general, has benefited from being such a deep team, from relying on guys like Vlako Chanchar, Zeke Naji, Jeff Green with their second unit so that they haven't had to play Aaron Gordon too many minutes. The thing is, is that when Aaron Gordon is on the floor, the Nuggets are fantastic. But the way that Aaron Gordon plays with the intensity, the style, the banging, the, uh, the offensive rebounding, the absolute physicality that he plays with all the time, he is going to have to be a guy that you reduce the minutes of in general in order for him to be his best self. And I've heard a lot of people clamoring for Aaron Gordon to be uh, to play more. I understand that. I think that in general in the playoffs, he'll play about 35 minutes a night as opposed to 30. But with Gordon and with these intense guys, these physical players, you want those guys to be at their best and playing super, super hard. And that's Aaron Gordon's best skill, if I'm being honest this year. It's not the – like it's the chemistry and it's the side of it – uh, and Dane really focuses on that here. It is great. It has been good. And for him to be able to maximize that and maximize what he's able to do consistently, he is going to, like Aaron Gordon is going to continue to elevate his game, be better in general. And the three-point percentage that he has provided, 39.3%, I think it was, but 17-7-3 on 60, or no, it's 58% from the field. Nearly 40% from three has been fantastic. The 60% from the line, 62.3 in, in exact numbers. I think that that's going to have to be the place where he improves the most. That's one thing where teams are going to hack a Gordon. They are going, anytime he gets near the basket, they're going to hack him. And there are going to be a lot of teams like we saw in the Philly game, like we saw in various other matchups where 
teams are going to ge- they're going to generally dare him to shoot. And if he shoots well, the Nuggets are going to win those games. If he doesn't shoot well, you don't want that to be the reason why you lose games. Denver can't be a team where they're a make or miss team. They have to be a team where they do enough other good things in general to just make it so that they're always they're always in that position where they can win, even when the numbers and even when the shots aren't going down as often as they are. So Gordon is kind of that guy that I'm looking at and thinking, yeah, he's got to be like he's going to have to even raise his game to another level. Uh, but in general, the advanced metrics really love what he has done. 31st in Raptor War, 30th in Box Plus Minus, 18th in Estimated Plus Minus. Those are crazy numbers. Those are numbers that you look at and think, wow, Aaron Gordon has a reason to believe that he should have been an all-star. He has been amazing. And for the Nuggets, it has just been a wonderful thing to plug him into that elite role player role. Because that's in general, that's what he is, and it's why he didn't ultimately make the All-Star game. But I think that when I think of Aaron Gordon, I think of somebody who kind of like a Mikhail Bridges, kind of like the Andrew Wiggins, the version of him that uh, helped Golden State win a championship last year. Those guys are so important for bringing it every single night. And kind of like a, a Marcus Smart, for example, with uh, with Boston. Gordon's ability to do that on a consistent night-in, night-out basis in the playoffs, if he can do that and win Denver multiple games that way, gosh, it's going to be so big. It's going to be such a big deal for sure. Um, Hurricane asks, what do you think of a Murray, Brown, MPJ, AG, Thomas Bryant lineup in the playoffs? That's going to be – that's an interesting one. I think when you get into – like. In theory, yeah, it's going to be great, Hurricane. I think that that's one of those lineups that, in theory, makes a lot of sense if you're trying to stagger different guys. I think if anytime you get to a lineup that doesn't have Jokic out there, I'm going to expect that Bruce Brown is going to be out there. And so I would probably have put Murray, Bruce Brown, Michael Porter, Aaron Gordon, Thomas Bryant out there. But I like the idea of Christian Brown kind of being that secondary uh, wing in between Murray, MPJ, and AG. Denver could get to a place where they just throw everything at the wall in those non-Jokic minutes and hope that something sticks. They will play around with things. I think you're going to see some interesting rotations in this uh, final 23 games or so. And that could be one of those where somebody like a Christian Brown is playing with Jamal Murray, Michael Porter, and Aaron Gordon at some point. But in theory, Hurricane, I think it definitely works. That would be be one of those things that I could... uh, I could definitely see for sure. Um, All right. Last one is Michael Porter. 42 out of 59 games. He missed those 13, I think it was 13 games for the heel injury. And then he missed a chunk of games for his absence due to his personal issue, his personal absence due to the crash that his brother was involved in. Uh, In general, Michael Porter has been pretty healthy. Uh, the heel is – it's not something that I think anybody could have foreseen. It wasn't connected to his back. This was just a, a very random injury that happens to athletes that sometimes you have to deal with. It's uh, plantar fascia was the word that Michael used. And so that happens. It, it wasn't a big deal with the back. And to be honest, I saw 
Adam, actually, Adam Aris on over at DNVR. He posted something on Twitter the other day where it was a it was an awesome clip uh, compilation of of Michael Porter finishing at the rim and getting more athletic doing it. And it looks very different from the beginning of the season to now as he has continued to trust his back, as he has continued to do the things necessary in order to be the version of the athlete that he wants to be going forward. He's never going to be the high flyer that he was in high school. Like the dude was flying. The dude was a, a jumping out of the gym. He compared himself on draft night to a hybrid between Giannis and KD. And the crazy thing is he wasn't wrong. Like the what, what we saw from him and the way that he has impacted the game in a lot of different ways, he has been like he nearly averaged a steal and a block per game in the 2020-21 season. That was crazy. That's what those are crazy numbers. Aaron Gordon, by example, this year, 0.8 and 0.8. Like for Michael Porter to do what he did and to play the way that he played, he's smarter now than he was then. If he had played now, or uh, if if he had if he had the brain that he does now for the defensive end that he did when he played a couple seasons ago, I think he might have averaged like 1.5 steals, 1.5 blocks. And it would have been crazy. And people would have had to really change their impressions of Michael Porter. But he's the guy that I really thought of when I thought of, man, should really credit the rest of the supporting cast. Michael Porter is a very interesting player where these are basically the numbers that I expected from him. I would have I would have said point uh, I would have wanted one steal and one block a game if I could have had my druthers. But I expected basically this. He's about uh, 42 out of 59 games, as I said, 29 minutes, 17 points, five rebounds, one assist. Hopefully getting more steals, more blocks in general as he continues to trust his back a little bit more. But it's not the most important thing in the world. He doesn't have to hustle and put himself out of position. But he has to find opportunities to really make an impact on that end of the floor if he can. So, And he has. He really has done a lot of impressive things with what uh, everybody needed from him. So uh, John Cobbin says, yeah, it seems like he's added, regained at least six inches of vertical this season. Such an important detail. Such an important detail that people that are watching the Nuggets right now have noticed. That people, uh, you don't always see that. You don't always see people when they're, they check in on the Nuggets, they check in on a, you get a, a bad Michael Porter game and then then that's your impression of what Mike is going to look like for the rest of the year. But for the Nuggets, I think that it's going to be super, super important for him to hang up because I think in general, the Nuggets are going to be in this position a lot of the time going forward where they may have to choose between offense and defense, between Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter. Not just Michael Porter and Bruce Brown. I think that Bruce Brown is in the circle of trust for a lot of people, and he will be out there for a lot of the time. But if you get into a position where Aaron Gordon has gone 0 of 4 from 3, the Golden State Warriors are leaving him wide open. They have Kevon Looney and Aaron Gordon out there, or uh, and Draymond Green out there. They are doubling Nikola Jokic. They are leaving Aaron Gordon wide open. Uh, Draymond Green is, is sprinting back to him to make sure that he doesn't get those wide open dunks and he's turned the ball over a couple times. Could Denver get to a place in a matchup like that against the Warriors where Michael Porter is the four and you've got Murray, KCP, and Bruce Brown out there? I think so. 
And I think that there could be a lot of moments in the playoffs where it's not just the difference between Michael Porter and Bruce Brown. It's the difference between Bruce Brown and Aaron Gordon or Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter or, I don't know, like Christian Brown and Bruce Brown. Like Denver's going to have a lot of these moments where the supporting cast guys are going to be a little bit different. But in general, Jamal has been fantastic, especially uh, after his first like 10 to 15 games or so. He's been just great since then. Aaron Gordon has been fantastic all the way throughout. I think his defense, it can still level up even more so in the playoffs. And I think that he will be good going forward on the defensive end, but he can be great in the playoffs when he needs to be. And then Michael Porter. In general, I think that Mike is going to prove a lot of people wrong in the playoffs. I think he's going to be one of those guys that Nuggets fans know can do the things that he's asked to do. And he's going to surprise a guy like Chris Paul, or he's going to surprise a guy like I don't know, Desmond Bain of the Memphis Grizzlies if they happen to match up and just be way better on the defensive end than a lot of those guys think that he is. And if he can do that, if he can hang up physically over the course of these next 23 games and then into the postseason, the Nuggets are going to be in such a great position. Uh, I remember at the end of the 2020-21 season when Jamal Murray goes down, he gets injured, and Aaron Gordon is in like the last 10 games, 15 games or so that Aaron Gordon then has to figure his own life out within the Nuggets ecosystem. Michael Porter has to level his game up, go really hard over the course of the next couple weeks. And Nikola Jokic had to go really hard. The Nuggets don't need to go really hard right now. They're in a position where as long as they keep everybody healthy, they are going to be able to rely on Jamal Murray, Aaron Gordon, and Michael Porter at different points throughout the regular season and then up those minutes in the playoffs and make sure that those guys are in a great position to succeed. I'm really looking forward to it, and I think that the Nuggets, the biggest reason why I wanted to do this segment, I think that those guys are underrated nationally. I think that those guys are really freaking good, uh, especially Murray, and I think that he's going to show it to people. I think he's going to average like 24 or 25. I think that Aaron Gordon's going to have his Andrew Wiggins run, and I think that Michael Porter is going to prove a lot of people wrong, especially on the defensive end, and, and prove that he is one of those guys that changes the tenor of a series because a team that thought that they could go at him in isolation suddenly can't. And if he's able to hold up in that way, the Nuggets are going to win. It's just a matter of how often and how soon. So we will see. But tell you what, let's take another break. When we come back, we are going to go over the final 23 games of the regular season. And I'm just going to give you my record predictions for, for what's to come. We'll be right back. segment here, Pickaxe and Row. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Did I? Did I say Pickaxe and Row? I think I did. It doesn't matter. Uh, on this segment, we are going to go over the final 23 games of the Denver Nuggets season. Should be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to this stretch, but only in in the case of I want to see how Denver does in different situations. I want to see how they approach the Memphis game on. Uh, February 26th. I want to see how they approach the Memphis game on, on 
Jan or March third for that reason as well. But honestly, the MVP matchups at the end of March. Honestly, the matchup against uh, Golden State in April, and then they've got a couple of matchups late against Phoenix that I really want to talk about too. But let's go through these, and I'm going to have these on the bottom of the screen and kind of give you my thoughts on the general layout of everything. I think that, and and by the way, if you're looking for a an article that kind of accompanies these thoughts, there is a good article on MileHighSports.com that I read or that I wrote. I also read it too, and it's pretty good. So make sure to go, make sure to go check that one out. Give this one a like while you're here too. Um, February, rest of February, Denver has four more games. They have four games in six nights. The twenty third is tomorrow. It is at or at Cleveland, excuse me. Aaron Gordon is going to be out for that one. Zeke Naji is going to be out for that one. I think Jamal Murray will play despite the fact that he's questionable. If Jamal does go for 50, like I've seen in the comments a little bit here, let's just pull one of those back up. Uh, Poppy Chulo says, I think Jamal might drop 50 at Cleveland. That would be great. That would be for sure. That would be uh, fantastic. Uh, man, how, how crazy would it be if Jamal dropped 50? Uh, he's He's been on fire and right after like he just left and then he got injured for sure. Not Not injured, but he was dealing with a lot of pain. And I'm not surprised that he had to take it take it slow a little bit, but I do think that Jamal is about to go crazy. I tweeted this yesterday. I think that I think these next three to four three to four months are going to be crazy for Jamal, and he's going to have a lot of fun with it. Um, but yeah, February you've got uh, Thursday against Cleveland. You have Saturday against Memphis, coming back on Sunday and playing the LA Clippers. And then this next Tuesday, they'll play Houston on the road again. So three of the first four of this uh, of this post-All-Star break run are going to be on the road. And it's going to be an interesting test because Cleveland and Memphis specifically, they have these quick guards. They have these guys that uh, between Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland and Ja Morant, uh, Tyus Jones, also kind of second unit guy, quick guards. Small guards, guys that Jokic specifically has had trouble containing in the pick and roll. I don't think that's going to change, by the way. I think that those kinds of teams are going to be able to score against Denver, which is why Chris Paul is such a big deal, though he's slowed down a little bit this year. It's why uh, guys like Steph Curry are always going to be a problem. It's because he's extremely quick and and shifty, uh, but it's, it's really hard to guard out to three when you also have to guard at the rim. So... That's going to be tough, but these next four games will give Denver an opportunity to showcase what they can do defensively. It's going to be without Aaron Gordon in all likelihood for at least the first two, I would guess. And we will see what it looks like. Um, what did I say? I said, uh, yeah, the the Clippers game is a back-to-back. I should have a, I should have probably put that back-to-back in a little bit better place, but... I do think that the Nuggets are in a good spot right now where they can at least show off a little bit of their overall improved defense between Murray, between Bruce Brown, between KCP, Christian Brown, guys like that. I think that those guys can really help in those particular matchups. But I'm really curious to see what Reggie Jackson looks like defensively. If he can hold up and play 20 minutes consistently off the bench, that's going to add a lot 
to Denver in terms of their overall ability to rest Jamal down the stretch, make sure that he doesn't have any overall inflammation in that compensating knee that's kind of popped up or anything like that. I think that's going to be really good and getting a first taste of what Reggie Jackson's going to look like with this team uh, going up against Cleveland. So hopefully he can defend those guys a little bit, but if not, Denver's got Bruce Brown. They've got Christian Brown. They can really stagger a little bit. It should be perfectly fine. Uh, but in February, I predicted, I think, two and two. I think that's going to be a tough stretch. And those three of those four games are against really, really good teams. That back-to-back against the Clippers, I know that Nuggets fans don't respect the Clippers at all. They do not think of the Clippers in any way, shape, or form as a threat. Uh, they are such a different team now. I'm very curious to see what it looks like with Russell Westbrook. Even with uh, Bones Highland, Eric Gordon, and Mason Plumley, I thought that they like they look really good. I have no idea what it's going to look like with uh, <laughs> with Russell Westbrook. Like, is he going to start? Is he just going to come off the bench for like 20 minutes? Uh, is Bones now completely out of the rotation? What does that look like? Is Terrence Mann still starting? Because like I like Terrence Mann. I think he'd be great. If he doesn't start because Russell Westbrook is on their team, boy, are they going to have to kiss those championship odds goodbye. Good Lord. That's a, that's a wild thing to think. But <laughs> Peter says, the Clippers have the heart of a Xerox copier. Yeah, that seems uh, <laughs> that seems very fair. Um, and also B-Dux says, RB is the GOAT. Thank you, B-Dux. I, I appreciate that. Um, all right. Let's go to March now. Uh, again, two and two. I think two and two is pretty reasonable. I, I expect Denver to lose both of the road games or they win one of the road games and lose the back-to-back at home. I don't really expect them to have to go super hard. If they were to go three and one in that stretch, then great. But this home stretch, or no, no not, not home stretch, this March stretch begins with home games against Memphis and Toronto and Chicago. You have three games, all resting, don't have any back-to-backs for a while. Memphis, Toronto, Chicago. You take a brief plane over to San Antonio, and you should be able to get that one. So you're, you hope that that road record kind of beefs up a little bit based off of uh, one game against San Antonio, and they're probably tanking. They've already traded Jakob Pertl away. So, like, that should be a game that you you win, like, pretty easily. And if you don't, then that's that would be pretty questionable. Although these are kind of the, the conversations that you have, right? Like, if Denver loses that game against San Antonio, does it make them a worse team? I honestly think it just makes them human. And so you have to kind of factor that into your analysis, I think. But I think that Denver should win that game. Then they come back and play Brooklyn in, in one home game. Uh, then they go on this five-game road trip against fine teams in the East, some of them not fine. Toronto is trying to compete. They got Jakob Pertl, so that will be interesting. Uh, Detroit, then a back-to-back between New York and Brooklyn on the 18th and 19th. And then a game against Washington. You get to go see Monte Morris again. And unfortunately, not Will Barton. Uh, Will Will was uh, was bought out. He cannot be signed by the Nuggets, by the way. Nor do I think that they would. But anybody that was wondering whether that was a possibility, it's actually not. Uh, because it's still within a year of the trade that the Nuggets made with the Washington Wizards. So that's something to at least think about. Uh, so you've got that game against Washington. Then you have a game against the Milwaukee Bucks on March 25th. You have a game against Philadelphia on March 27th. 
You have a game against New Orleans on March 30th and against Phoenix in a back-to-back. I forgot to highlight that back-to-back on uh, March 31st. That'll probably be a game that Denver sits and that they they don't necessarily have a lot of guys that play. Because why would you show anything in that game? Like, there's there's no reason to, on the second night of the back-to-back, like, what do you have to prove to anybody? It would be nice to get a good glimpse of what the Phoenix Suns are going to look like. And they don't have any rest issues on that particular day. The Milwaukee Bucks on the 25th, I think they are playing, I think that's a back-to-back. I think it's a three and four for the Bucks. And I wonder if Giannis plays in that one. I can't imagine that Chris Middleton would play in that one unless they sit the front end of it. I can't imagine that Drew Holiday would play in that. Or maybe Brooke Lopez sits. Or maybe they have other guys that sit. In general, though, that's a game that could uh, sort of dominate the MVP discussions. But I got to imagine that in general, in general, that's going to be one where the MVP will probably be decided by that point. But I don't know. Like with Giannis, his injury that day he had, he sustained a wrist injury right before the All-Star break. Maybe it was the thumb injury. It was one of the two. Um, he played briefly in the All-Star game and then uh, took himself out of the game. But they said that he was that he avoided long-term injury. I don't know what that means. They also didn't give a timetable of what they're actually expecting it to look like. So if Giannis is still out by that point, like a month later, then that would be tough. But I also think that he's probably going to miss enough games here in between now and then that he's probably going to take himself out of the MVP race anyway. So we're just going to have to wait and see. He hasn't really played a ton of games. Like I think he's played fewer than Jokic at this point. I think Embiid has played fewer than Jokic. So like, look, this is going to be an interesting run of things, but I got to imagine that Jokic is still in the driver's seat on that MVP. When Philly comes to town, they'll be fully rested. There won't be any questions on that front. So that is actually a game that I'm sure everybody has circled. I definitely have circled because I think that Philly has an opportunity to make a run here and they have an opportunity against other MVP candidates. So that is something for everybody to watch. He will be out for blood that game. And I think that Jokic will be too. So We'll just have to see. Um, I think that I think that Jokic was uh, he was not happy with the way that the game went in January. So let's now go to. Oh, by the way, ten and four is the predicted record that I have in March. It could be lower than that. It could be higher than that. But I think the ten and four seems right. Uh, I think that Denver's going to take this run pretty seriously. They have an opportunity in those first five games before the five game road trip to really bone up on some good wins. They'll have plenty of rest. They'll have plenty of opportunity to get to their good place. And I think that they will make up a lot of ground in gaining the one seed and claiming that one seed, clinching it uh, right during the beginning of March. And then we'll see what they do in that that road trip. If they go 4-1 and one or 5-0 and oh during that road trip, then that really seals it. So should be good. And April... April, Denver plays five games, including a back-to-back right at the end of it. They play Golden State on April 2nd. They play Houston and Phoenix and Utah in a three-game road trip right after that. And then they come back home and play Sacramento on that aforementioned back-to-back right after the Utah game. None of those games I think that Denver's really going to focus on. I think Golden State might be one. Golden State might be one where they, they really look to claim it. 
and they really look to uh, just make sure that they are in the best possible position to uh, clinch at that point. I don't know if they're going to have it clinched already. If they do, then they might still play those guys. They might still play everybody. But if they do have it clinched by that point, then that's a great sign. It means that Denver can kind of pick and choose when they want to go hard. And they might try to go hard against Houston and Utah and then might rest everybody against Golden State, Phoenix, and Sacramento. So if that were the case, then that's a big old F you to the rest of the teams in the West. They should have been better during the entire rest of the the regular season. But either way, like that's going to be a great time for Denver to really figure some things out. I think I have them projected to go three and two during that stretch, but if they go two and three or one and four, I wouldn't be surprised, but that would only be at a place where they don't necessarily have to try at the end. That could be games where Jokic Murray and Aaron Gordon sit. Could be games where KCP, Bruce Brown, and uh, Christian Brown all sit. So sometimes you'll have good opportunities for those defenders. Sometimes you'll have opportunities where those guys are, are sitting. And it'll be interesting to see what it comes down to and whether Denver actually does clinch by that point. Because if they do, then the rotations at that point are going to get all out of whack. So it'll be fine. I'm not really concerned about it in general, but I think, look, I think I had three and two as the final mark. So overall, predicted record during that final run, I have as 15 and eight. Final 23 games of the season, I have it as a 15 and eight record for Denver which means that the overall record is 56 and 26. It is not quite to the point of the franchise record. It's not quite to the point where they need to try that hard in order to get to that point. One of the things that the Nuggets needed to do when um, uh, back in 2013, 10 years ago, one of the things that they had to do, they had to get like, they won 57 games because they were being pressured behind them. Like there are so many other teams that were also really, really good. And, they had to get up to a place where they were above various teams in the in the standings because if they didn't, they would have had a road playoff game, even though they had like 54, 55 wins. So they went on that run. They were a fantastic juggernaut. They could not be stopped because they were working so hard. This team doesn't have to do that. They're in a place where they're a little bit more comfortable. They're in a place where they don't necessarily have to go full bore all the time. And that is a benefit to them. That is an absolute credit to what they have done so far and also to the kind of midness of everything in the Western and Eastern Conference because none of these teams are really pushing super hard this year. Everybody is settling back and settling in, trying to prep themselves for the playoffs as much as possible because if you are at a disadvantage with the playoffs come, that's when a lot of these teams are going to turn it up for sure. I think that Boston's going to be an even better team when they're in the playoffs. I think that Milwaukee will be a better team when they're in the playoffs. I think that Phoenix will be a better team, even though they have a lot of things to figure out. Apparently, KD is going to make his debut on March 1st. It's not a lot of time. It's not a lot of time for developing chemistry and figuring everything out, but he's Kevin Durant after all. Um, the bet that the Clippers are making every year is that they'll be better in the playoffs than they are in the regular season. The bet that the Warriors are making is that it doesn't matter what seed that they are. If they get into the dance, it's going to be hard to eliminate them. And I tend to agree. Like, they're going to be a team that as long as Steph Curry is healthy, they're going to be a threat. And, like, if he's playing 40 minutes a night, having people chase him around for the entire 40, 
teams are going to get crazy going up against Golden State. So I think that Denver's going to be in for a run. They are going to have to be the best selves in the postseason. But that's what this is all about, right? That's where everybody needs to be better. That's where everybody needs to show up. And I think that Denver's at that point where they can and where they will. But we're just going to have to see. But in general, I think that's all I've got, folks. I think that the Nuggets are in a good place. They don't have to do anything too crazy going forward. But I think that is going to do it for this episode of Big Axe and Roll. Brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Thank you so much, everybody, for hopping in and hanging out. Uh, sorry about the interruption in the middle of it. I know that uh, <laughs> like I'm a one-man show here right now, but Michael, my producer, is usually on these things, and he's fantastic. So uh, give him a lot of credit. He's Michael Ferraro on Twitter. Make sure to go give him a follow and and, and make sure he's credited because he's going to be my full-time producer on this show going forward, and I'm really, really excited about where this show continues to go because we've been having a lot of fun with it. And so everybody, make sure to give it a like. Make sure, uh, sorry, Kalen, uh, first time live. What's up, Ryan? Oh, no, just miss you. I, I, I feel that. I feel that for sure. But I'll be live again tomorrow, uh, Thursday night, day of the game. I'm not going to be live Friday. I will be live on Saturday and Sunday night for everybody. Usually I try to go about four to five hours after postgame or after the game time. We'll see what happens this time. Thank you so much, everybody for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. As always, we'll talk to you guys tomorrow.